Welcome to Documentary Diehards, where three sports fans review one 30 for 30 documentary each and every episode. Today's show, we will be discussing the 30 for 30 titled Muhammad and Larry. We'll give you guys a summary of that in just a second. But Sam and Nick, what's up, guys? How's it going, guys? Good, good. How are you, Sam? I'm doing good. Doing good. Enjoying all this NBA basketball that I've been watching recently. Yeah, there's been some good games out uh, just with the uh, kind of start up of things. And what have you been watching? Uh, yeah, so I've watched um, two Lakers games. I uh, watched a Bucks game the other night. Mm. Uh, yeah, I'm just really enjoying like the I, I just feel like it's a really good setup with the screens in the background now. And um, it, it was a little bit weird at first, but it's, it's growing on me and I feel like um, they're starting to catch up with like the sound and stuff now. So it almost feels like you're just watching a regular NBA game at this point. It's been pretty enjoyable. Yeah, I found it like really easy to just kind of forget about it. At first, like maybe the start of every game, you kind of think about it, but then like you just forget about it and just pretend it's like a normal season. I still right. think it's weird the new uh, virtual fans that they have there. Yeah. I don't know what do you guys think about that? I do too, and I, and I noticed like at first, I, I felt like the faces were like massive on the screens. I don't know if you guys yeah. noticed that. And then the um, when I watched the last game, it, it appeared that they made it like smaller, and it seemed like, oh. almost more realistic, as if there was actually fans sitting in the crowd. Okay. Um, so I think I feel like they're playing with a little a little bit, you know. It reminds yeah, it can me only of... get better. Have you seen? Have you seen like the other like like Chris Bosh was in in one of those fake mm-hmm. fans thing? Like there's there's been a couple like little Easter eggs or whatever. Yeah, I did see that. That's hilarious. I saw Paul Pierce was on uh, when the Celtics were playing this weekend. Oh, nice. It was yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> I still think we should try to get on there for podcast marketing. <laughs> I don't. I wonder how you do that. I don't know. We should, uh, yeah, we should figure out and get on the Timberwolves game. Yeah. Ooh. Oh. <laughs> oh, just kidding. <laughs> I was literally looking the other day. I was like, I think it was before the first the first NBA game. I was okay. So where's the Timberwolves? They're they're probably day two. And then oh, that, it, it took me like thirty seconds. I was like, oh wait, that's not happening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because there talk. was there was talk that they were gonna have like a. Uh, basically a participation uh, tournament in Chicago for like the worst eight teams. Yeah, like the NIT, right? <laughs> yeah, basically. Like we can't we can't hurt people's you know feelings in the NBA. <laughs> I feel oh, like man. no stars would have played in that. They would have just been like a developmental yeah, thing. Right. Mm, yeah. Yeah, NBA is going a lot better than uh, baseball is right now too. Just wanted to add that. Yeah. What makes you say that? Uh, the Marlins and the Cardinals haven't sure. played in a few more, more like the yeah, the positive tests and stuff. Yeah, but ba- yeah. baseball is like impossible to control, like in a bubble system, just like the basketball is. I was thinking about that today because, like, like basketball, like the court's the same, you know, you don't really need anything else. They obviously have a good spot where uh, it, they have so many different uh, basketball courts there and just like the facilities, like. What um, what location in the U.S. has, say, even 10 baseball parks that would be similar to, like, an MLB stadium? That's a good point. Right, Probably. that's true. 
I mean, there's like the thought of like Omaha, like where they have the College World Series. But oh, yeah, like yeah, true. probably only one of those is like comparable to an MLB right size and 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 like layout. It's tough, yeah. And then you just have the bigger roster sizes too, so you're dealing with that. And yeah, the NBA is doing it right, but it's like hard for Major League Baseball or the NFL to do the same thing. I feel like. Yeah, and the NHL, they just started too, and they got two bubbles in Canada, and mm-hmm. and they've had no t- no positives so far. It seems like they're kind of similar, because I mean, yeah, like they have like a more contained sport, and and both of those their seasons were are already mostly over. Like the NHL is starting with it's basically a changed postseason right now, and then the NBA is close to the postseason too, but like. The other two big pro sports, we're talking about baseball, football, those are going to, like, have the start of the season. Right. So you're talking, like, five, six months instead of, you know, for some teams, like, in the NBA, it'll be a month. And then, yeah, at most three months, probably. So, yeah, that's a good point, too. Well, should we get into this documentary, guys? I think we all... I watched it today as of this recording. Sam, I think you did. Nick, when did you watch it? Yeah, just today. So it's all fresh in our mind. Uh, Like I said, it's called Muhammad and Larry. This is another one produced in 2009 um, when we're going in order. Uh, All I think all these first four were all released in uh, in one month. So they just did one every week. I was looking at it. Um, in the fall of 2009. This is another one from the 80s. It's, it's uh, from 19, the year 1980. And I was looking it up. We t- I talked about it last week. The first seven uh, 30 for 30s uh, produced are from the 80s. And then number eight, I won't say what it is. We'll get to that in a few weeks. But number eight is from the 90s. And then it, it's not like the next group, the next like seven are all the 90s. It's just kind of all over the place after that. So I don't know if that's just how it worked out or if that's that was planned they're off in the 80s but that's just how it turned out anyway uh, muhammad and larry is the name of, of this uh 30 for 30 it's about muhammad ali and larry holmes their their uh, heavyweight boxing match in the in, in in the fall of 1980 directed by albert uh, Maisels, um and his production crew basically was there um, following both fighters in the in their camps leading up to this fight, and so he has all this footage, and they just never really sold it to anyone to produce it or, um, to, or to air it. So they had just been holding on to this for, I guess, thir- almost thirty years when they when they made it in about eleven years ago. So it really documents how Muhammad. Um, it kind of up front right away gives us a little glimpse into the fight, how Muhammad Ali just got destroyed. Uh, by Larry Holmes um, in the in the one of the biggest um, fights. Muhammad Ali was the was thirty eight. Larry Holmes was thirty, so he was in his prime. Muhammad Ali was coming out of retirement. That was kind of one of the main themes. Was Muhammad Ali really didn't think he could lose? He he'd obviously lost before, but he he'd always come back from it and. One of the main themes was he's just super confident and um, thought he could pull it out of the bag. He even said that, I think, one time in an interview. There's a whole bunch of interviews with his camp um, and Larry Holmes's camp, as well as like reporters and writers, calmness from that time. Um, obviously, guys that had covered the greatest boxer of all time, Muhammad Ali, and 
kind of the end of his the kind of fall from the greatness that he had been experiencing. So, yeah, I mean, this is another one where I didn't really know this story uh, very well. I don't know about you guys, but I, I uh, immediately it showed us that he lost right away. And then it, it went back in time, showed us the whole camp and, and described kind of how that all went down. And, and we'll get into some of the details of just kind of how that happened. Guys, what were your, kind of your, your first impressions from watching this? Sam, how about you? My first impression, just seeing Muhammad Ali was, wow, he does not look like the Muhammad Ali that I've seen in so many great pictures and videos when he's in his prime. Um, he just looks out of shape. Uh, his face just looks a little pudgy and um, that was like the first, my first thought was that. Um, and then I guess my second thought was just on the production of this film and like how awesome it was to see uh, the training as they're building up for this huge fight in 1980. So um, like three months prior, they have, you know, video of Muhammad Ali jogging and um, training in front of a bunch of fans and stuff like that. And I, I was just like, wow, this is really well done. This reminds me a lot of, um, you know, the ESPN 30 for 30s that, we've grown used to the more modern ones, I guess. And so those are the, my first two takeaways. What about you, Nick? Yeah, I totally agree. As far as uh, Muhammad Ali's uh, physical shape that he was in during this, I, I don't think I really looked into, you know, what this whole documentary was even about uh, prior to watching it. So I, I had this expectation that it was going to be uh, something like, you know, Ali Frazier type of a, type of a big thing and mm -hmm. something in his prime. And then all of a sudden, uh, I think they put a date on the screen and it was 1980. I'm like, that seems pretty like too recent. Right. And, yeah. uh, and then you see him and you're just like, man, he doesn't look good. Right. <laughs> you know, what's going to happen during this. And then, yeah. Uh, then they show you and then, you know, go back from, uh, from the start then. Uh, so it was definitely an interesting uh, perspective to see behind the scenes. Um, very uh like just right in the thick of things uh leading up to the fight and everything like that i think they gave a good description or uh described the character well of uh, of, uh larry holmes uh, and that was interesting uh made me uh feel bad for him i guess throughout the whole thing um so yeah yeah Why is that? Know, it was just like he's underappreciated. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I think I looked up on a quick Google search and he was like 59 and 0. And I feel like I had to, uh, when I clicked on his, uh, on his internet page, it was like, oh, did you mean the political activist, Larry Holmes? <laughs> <laughs> and so like just a guy that had uh, such good, uh, good, such a good career. Uh, and they kind of alluded to this, or I guess to talk directly to it. Um, about how uh, if he would have came maybe 10 years later, uh, he would have been heralded as such a better fighter than he was. Uh, he was just too close to Ali. So um, sure. I just found that point that point fascinating. And, and he just seems like a cool dude too. So <laughs> Yeah, I, I thought that was – I agree with that about, about Larry Holmes. Like they were talking about, um, like you said, how he was in the wrong era, like, I've heard people make that comparison about Phil, like back in the day, at least, because he came around Tiger's time. And but he Phil was in his peak was one of the best golfers of all time, but mm -hmm. no one really appreciates it because he was like right in the same timeline as Tiger. So it was kind of 
a similar thing with that. And then the other thing with Larry Holmes is like, he seems like such a like a funny dude. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was interesting how like he was super like they're just like completely opposite guys. They were just comparing, like they're showing interviews from him and from Muhammad Ali. How like they're both super different and they're both like super cool in their own way. But like Holmes was like didn't want any of the fame. Um, or maybe, I don't know if he didn't want it, but like, that wasn't really that important to him. And, and he was just kind of happy with his, his more simple life, even though he did have so much success. And then Muhammad Ali was like playing to the crowd, you know, whenever he had a group of people, he was like in his element. And I thought that was really cool how they, like, they contrasted the two characters, uh, between them. What'd you guys think about just how Muhammad Ali was training and like, so I mean it was like crazy how he was so like it wasn't crazy how he was so confident because he's obviously so successful but like that whole thing where he was like too confident ultimately because he got Mm -hmm. beaten badly yeah I mean it's very clear that he has the mindset that a lot of great athletes do where it's like I'm the greatest and it doesn't matter like who I'm going against I'm gonna knock him out and um but without even thinking about his like physical limitations anymore, which were very evident based on just watching him train. And uh, so his mindset was in the right place. Um, it almost made, it made me wonder like, does he actually believe this or, and I feel like he's probably, you know, a lot of the great athletes are crazy enough to actually believe it even when like they don't see their own physical limita- limitations. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, there was a, uh, like one of the columnists was talking about how, the mirror tells him he'd win like mm-hmm. he looks in the mirror and he like just believes it so much and then like one of his old um interviews from leading up to the fight which wasn't too far out from when the fight actually was he he was saying he was like kind of just rambling he said i always figure out something now i really now i really got to go out and figure something out so like he didn't even really know his game plan or like how he was going to win he just knew he was going to win somehow and so, like, that's, like, another reason why, like, I mean, twenty hindsight's twenty twenty, but, like, he didn't really know how he was going to win, so he didn't. <laughs> right. Yeah. I thought the mirror uh, analogy was very, or, it was very powerful when they were showing that clip of him in front of the mirror. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of flashbacks, like you said, Sam, a lot of great athletes, you know, I, I just saw a lot of you know, Michael Jordan, uh, type of the same, like, dog mentality, uh, and just being able to look in the mirror and, like, convince yourself that you're going to win, uh, convince yourself that you're the guy. Uh, right. was, was After doing it so many times. Right. Like, why wouldn't he expect that? Mm-hmm. Where everyone else is like, man, you're kind of pudgy. <laughs> right. <laughs> and it was also really interesting at the end they uh talk about how he went to the mayo clinic like three or four months before he was supposed to fight larry holmes and they discovered that you know he was just having a lot of issues he couldn't touch uh, the tip of his finger directly to his nose when he tried um when he would like hop around they'd ask him to hop around he wasn't like as as quick as he should have been and uh, he was having trouble controlling his speech too um, which is like also very evident when you're listening to him talk. He he just mm-hmm. seems very slow and like it's a a lot a lot of work just to get the words out. Which he's talking a lot and it just seems like so much effort. Yeah, and and they they were saying or some people say that like his that fight contributed to his health issues because he 
famously had a whole bunch of health issues. He had Parkinson's. Eventually, he eventually passed away in 2016. This was just in 2009. But, but like some people say that his the beatings that he took um, in that fight uh, contributed to his health issues. I don't. That's just what people say. Um, but like our, other people say, like it was just his whole career of fighting. Like he got you know hit in the head a whole bunch of times as all yeah. boxers do. So I mean we don't know, but. But yeah, I mean, it was it was hard to understand him sometimes, and like they said, he he lost twenty pounds in in the fight camp. Like he he did lose a whole bunch of weight, um, and then he was taking all these I forget what they they're what kind of pills thyroid thyroid yeah thyroid. he's taking thyroid pills like they were they were fat burning pills, and so he's just yeah. popping a whole bunch of them, and so his his kidneys were working extra hard. This is what the, someone in the documentary said, his trainer or something. And and he was he was getting pun- he was letting people beat him up so he would like as a way of prepping for the fight and he was just letting people punch him in the kidneys and someone said like the kidneys don't don't like react well to that they don't they don't build up strength they just get weaker if you keep punching them because they're organs like that's not how that works mm-hmm. like his kidneys were basically failing like it was kind of depressing it was. He was just so like you know just hard-headed about you know stubborn i guess about how he was gonna win um for a good reason but yeah it was it was kind of it was just a whole bunch of seeing him you know just convinced he's gonna win and we already know he's gonna get just beaten badly and yeah it was kind of a bummer part of it (laughs) (laughs) it really it's that same mentality that got him to the top that also was his detriment at the end and I was like, it's so hard for someone to go out on top in a lot of mm-hmm. sports, but especially in like fighting. Definitely, but I mean, can you blame him? Uh, Eight million dollars he was offered to fight Larry Holmes. It's like, yeah, I was trying to put myself in that position, and I'm like, if you're offered... in 1981, so I don't even know what the rate would be, you know, right. on that now, but yeah, significantly more than that now, and. Yeah, I'm just, I was just trying to imagine, like, even if you're past your prime, you're still like, okay. I, I mean, for the equivalent of, what, $30 million now, more than that probably, it's like, yeah, I'll definitely sign myself up for a beating, I guess. But they also say, um, you know, when a boxer steps in the ring, his life is on the line, and that's not like any other sport, you know. it's You step in there, and if you're not physically well, which – based on this whole documentary that we just watched, he wasn't, he was definitely putting his life on the line, stepping in. And, um, it was very like the results show that, I guess. I don't know if we yeah. want to go into the results right away. Well, and then the, like the other side of it is that Larry Holmes had to be his, the punisher of that, like the deliverer of mm-hmm. the punishment. Like it wasn't, and like they did a good job of just explaining how, like he wasn't really, uh, you know, a mean hearted guy or whatever, but like someone came up to him at the store afterwards and was like, I hate you because you beat up Muhammad Ali. And he's like, what is, what's he supposed to do? Like he, he wanted the ref to stop the fight, but like he couldn't, um, Muhammad Ali didn't go down. Yeah. And ultimately like he, he beat him after his, was his trainer? No, what it was when his like manager came up and was like, we're stopping the fight. But I think it was after that was in the ninth round or something. Yeah, it was. Yeah, and he just, like, Muhammad Ali was just refusing to go down, like you said, at, 
Um, and Larry Holmes was trying to get like the finishing blow. He was just trying to end it with like one swing basically, but he just could not make it happen no matter how hard he tried. Yeah. It like, it really made me want to watch like a documentary or just old videos of like Muhammad Ali in his prime. Cause like, I yes. probably haven't, I've probably seen a little bit, but I want to watch like a long highlight of like him just, just dominating because there's obviously tons of that. Yeah. That, that's exactly how I felt, too. I was going to say the same thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I found myself to feeling like, I want to go to YouTube and see this great athlete in his prime because this documentary just really made me feel sad and like, oh, man, this isn't the guy that I've seen on posters and, uh, you know, so many people idolize. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, we saw the low light of the uh, career of Muhammad Ali just now. And it was so be- so far before our time that we don't even know, like, the true highlights. Like, we know he was, uh, you know, considered the greatest uh, fighter ever and everything. <laughs> but now we just watch a documentary on the worst uh, event of his career, probably. I know. It's like a bad introduction. Not that it's really an introduction, but, like, I mean, he started, like, professionally fighting, I think, in the mid-60s. Like, that was a long time ago. Um, yeah. Yeah, the one thing when I was just think watching this, I was just thinking and when we're recording this, like this is really the reason like we why we wanted to do this documentary. It's really or this podcast. Just watch these. It like it just I mean, we we're sports fans. We don't claim to be like super, you know, informed sports fans or historically smart. And so like it's really cool to just be like keep being introduced to all these all these different topics that we didn't know as much about and now we know a ton about, so I think that's part of, like one of the great things about this podcast and just talking about it and watching it and all that stuff. Definitely. Because uh, like what Nick said, when when you look at the title and you see Muhammad and Larry, like I assumed it was going to be you know this great rivalry, this great brawl between two greats. And then um, it absolutely wasn't. And so, yeah, it was surprising and definitely learned a lot from it. Definitely. Any Any other thoughts on this one? Um, no, I don't think so. Let's, think... uh, let's do a rating. Who wants to go first? I can go first. Sam's got it. All right. I really, really liked this one. Um, it was my favorite of the four that we've watched so far. I just loved the amount of footage. The fact that ESPN was able to find this, this old footage from, you know, a, a documentary crew, um, kind of uncover it and see the behind the scenes of this huge fight or what so many people thought was going to be this huge fight and ended up being a disappointment. But uh, yeah, just to be able to see how Muhammad Ali like talked to himself, talked to all his fans that were in the gym um, every day um, and, and just to be able to see the training and stuff. And then um, also to hear from all his trainers and to hear from Larry Holmes himself about the event. I just thought it was really, really well done. So I'm going with nine butterflies on this one because uh, Muhammad Ali's <laughs> famous quote is float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. The hands can't, uh, the, the hands can't hit what the eyes can't see. And so I just wanted to go back to the glory days of Muhammad Ali when he was unbeatable <laughs> with that. So nine butterflies I'm going with. That's awesome. What about you, Nick? Yeah, uh, I'm a little lower on this one. Uh, it was a little drier for me uh, from uh, from a uh, entertainment perspective, I guess. Uh, I, I thought it was cool that they you know got so such good footage, 
uh, from both sides, uh, showed the um, Larry Holmes uh, as, as a guy and him. It would have been cool if they would have been able to get a Muhammad Ali um, interview, even if it was small. Um, but mm-hmm. I don't know what his health stage was like uh, when this was created. Sure. So, um, going back to our conversation about like you know Parkinson's disease and and that whole um, you know I guess debate on it. I, I feel like you know maybe this uh, this fight led to. A, an acceleration in the process, but I feel like, you know, over so many, the course of so many years, um, like he was definitely already showing sign, early signs of Parkinson's disease. So I don't think it was, you know, really isolated just to this one fight. And uh, like just watching the interviews, I was just like, there's like, you know, I, I knew he had Parkinson's disease before. And I guess just, you know, knowing the signs and things to look at, I was like, yeah, it's, that's surprising to me that he was showing signs so early, but. Anyways, that's a kind of a side sidebar. Uh, going back to the, <laughs> going back to rating, um, I'm gonna give this one a uh, five thyroid medication pills uh, for rating. So. Nice. Don't know why I was taking that, those. That's that's not smart. <laughs> that's probably about ten less than he took every day for the, the month leading up to the fight. <laughs> he was taking a lot of them. Yeah, that's wild. I'm uh I'm gonna give it seven point six kidneys because. <laughs> I, I I also really liked it. I there I didn't like love it. Uh, I think we, as much as Sam did. I, the footage was amazing. I yes. have that written in my notes a lot. Great footage. It was like summer camp vibes. Like mm-hmm. in the in the brick uh, or the log cabins. Like he was staying at where his fight camp was. Yeah, exactly. Sam, the running uh, video where he's just jogging is like it was great. Great start to the 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 uh, documentary. And the, I, I did really like the start of it, how they just right up front, they told you what happened. Like they, they told mm-hmm. you the result. Yeah. He mm-hmm. got destroyed. Um, so it was like a shock to you and that was like a good start. And then it was still like, um, it still captured you most of the way through. So you didn't, you know, it didn't hurt that they kind of spoiled the ending. The part I don't really, I wasn't so high on was like some of the weaving of like the interviews and the storylines wasn't as good. There was the, um, they had new sound, new interviews with Larry Holmes from, I'm assuming they took, they captured it in 2009 or maybe 2008, but uh, of him much older, obviously. And then they kind of just wove that in along with the, his old interviews when he was younger and other interviews without really giving us a good separation and Mm -hmm. explaining that it was happening later. So, I mean, we got it, but like it took a minute. Um, And that's my the thing with documentaries is you have to be um, intentional about when you you flip between timelines and things like that. Um, and so that's one of my pet peeves about documentaries. And, and they didn't really do it quite accurately, I thought. There was great characters. Um, like, the two main characters were super different and entertaining and, and very just capturing, I guess. And so, yeah, I liked it. I liked it a lot. It wasn't perfect. It, yeah, it did maybe drag a teeny bit, even though there was uh, there was just so much to lay out. But mm-hmm. I, I really liked it. Um, and yeah, just like I said, like I think this is a perfect example of why we're doing this podcast. For sure. Two things. Mm-hmm. Um, one, I think it's really cool that you know we all view it so differently. You know, we have a five, a seven point six, and a nine. So that's really cool. 
um, another thing that I didn't get to say before is I thought it was just so cool that um, to see a different side of Muhammad Ali than I guess I've ever seen before. You know, they show him doing magic tricks. Um, they show him pretending to fight like this little boy um, and talk about how he never turned down an autograph. And then, so that's the good part. And then you also just see like, um, you know, the side of him that you always have seen where he's just like talking a lot of smack and stuff, but a lot of it just seems to be like gibberish. And like um, one of the people described it as childish. Um, like if, if the three of us were to say those same, same things, it'd be childish. But when Muhammad Ali said it, it was like this awesome thing um, to be said. And so, um, I, I just thought it was really cool to see that side of things as well. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. Let us move on now from our review to Mount Rushmore, the game that we play with kind of trying to keep it in the same theme. This week, we're going to do athletes that you want on your side in a fight, the bar fight, whatever it is. Um, we're going to exclude fighters, MMA, boxing, because that's too obvious. Um, and so we're going to do uh, pro athletes or I guess other, if you have amateur athletes um, that we want on our side and we're going to do four Mount Rushmore. We're going to do it in uh, snake draft style and in typical fashion, I'm not really sure who goes first. <laughs> I don't uh, think it's me. <laughs> it's me. It's me and then Rudy and then you, Ren. Okay. Uh, so, take it away. And just so you guys know, I uh, Ren said amateur athlete, so I do qualify. Um, <laughs> specifically for you, Sam. Yeah, with the first pick overall, overall, I'm going to take Nick Rudolph. <laughs> <laughs> Such a badass. <laughs> All right. So for the actual first pick, I put a lot of thought into this, like uh, way too much thought into it probably. <laughs> but uh, this is a really fun one to do, way better than sports owners that we did last week. <laughs> Yeah, but, uh, I agree. So I was trying to put it together like a team. Like I want a really solid four uh, <laughs> to be with me. So the first thing I thought of is I need someone with a temper, like someone that could really just get angry, really get after it. And so who better than Richie Incognito, oh, the guard for the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. Um, he's had incidents. He's gotten arrested at a funeral home. Um, he's gotten arrested <laughs> at a, a Lifetime Fitness and he's been accused of bullying his teammates for the Miami Dolphins. I'm like, I'm all in on Richie Incognito. So. Yeah, he got a guy to retire, right? <laughs> yeah. Or did he not quite retire? Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure, yeah. Was his last name like yeah. Martin? I think he was a tackle yeah, for the Dolphins. Yeah, some Stanford guy, yeah. Yeah, so he's just absolutely brutal and like no regard for anything. So that's like the guy that I want uh, standing in front of me to take the blows, you know? <laughs> All right, Nick, I like who it. you got? Uh, I got to go with the infamous Malice in the Palace and go around our test. Uh, Metal World Peace. Um, I should say pre-Metal World Peace because I don't need any peace in this bar fight that we're in. So, <laughs> Oh, man, yeah, I mean, don't really have to explain much there, but uh, just when I think of sports figures that are not in fighting roles in a fight, the malice in the palace is the first thing that comes to mind. So uh, just how crazy that one was when I was a kid and saw that on TV. And I'm like, what is happening? Yes, that was and, insane. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, his commitment to that fight, uh, you know, he was almost done. And then someone threw a beer on him. And then, you know, he, he went back out there. So he'd be committed till the end, I know, for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. That, that definitely is probably the first one that popped in my head too when Same. I thought about this topic. 
Yeah. I'm going to go kind of off the beaten path. Not really, but yeah, I, I sort of thought about, like halfway through, I thought about forming like a posse of like, I got to have a rounded out group. <laughs> yeah, I think we all thought early that. <laughs> on, yeah, early on, my first pick is uh, an undersized guy, but I, that's kind of why I like him. He's a little scrappy. I'm going. You got to need those. Yeah, I'm going Cortland Finnegan. Oh, he made my list, you know? <laughs> this guy, to me, he was a legend as soon as I saw that play. So he's a, a defensive back for the Titans back in the day. Uh, Andre Johnson, the big wide receiver for the Texans. going, They're going back and forth all game long. I'm not sure when this was. This was a while ago. Um, and they're obviously – he's, like, jamming him at the line of scrimmage every play. If, like, they get into it a little bit, and then eventually, like, they just – they get into it even more, tear, tear each other's helmet off. He, uh, Andre Johnson has like half a foot in height and like 50 pounds on this guy. And they're just like going at it. They, yes. I, they're just swinging at each other. It was, mm. I, I, I watched this so many times. I watched it again, like a couple of times today. I love it. Cortland Finnegan, my first overall pick. And, and you know that he has to be so good at talking smack because, like, Andre Johnson's, like, so quiet and, like, seems yeah. pretty nice. And then you just see him, yeah, they brawling. Exactly, yeah. Andre Johnson, he was always known not as that as the fighter guy, but, but right. yeah, they, they really got into it. Um, yeah, <laughs> Good totally. one. Uh, I go again, right, snake style? Yep. So this one's a little more recent. I'm going baseball with this one. Um, one maybe the best brawl punch thrown in baseball. No. <laughs> Rugnet Odor. Oh. Second baseman <laughs> for the Texas Rangers. Um, Jose Batista when he was with the Blue Jays, yeah, maybe a dirty slide, whatever. They they took offense to each other. Popped up from his slide. Rugnet Odor knows what's about to happen. Just lays a perfect punch to the jaw of jose batista yeah. just like a beautiful like you could paint a picture about like <laughs> on how that how beautiful that that oh if i'm him that's was. definitely in my downstairs like <laughs> on a big old platter <laughs> or poster board so, yeah yeah sure. like that i mean that was amazing um so i got my got my scrappy little guy who's gonna fight dirty and then i got rugnet odor who's like the best like like um what's what what am i trying to say like the best form i guess um mm-hmm. so that's that's how i'm starting my 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 posse of four i Who's like next? it i have him on my list and you mm-hmm. know talking about like building a team or a posse and and uh next to him i have like an all caps like accuracy yeah exactly. <laughs> like you need a guy to be accurate out there <laughs> <laughs> all right nick who you got so- so I'm going, uh, this one's bodyguard. So I got to have a big presence uh, that's just not afraid to rough people up. We're going back to the bad boy Pistons and going Bill and Beer. Mm. All right. I like that. Respect. Okay. Am I up? Yeah, you're up. All right. So I got Richie Incognito. With the temper. And now I want someone who had a, a rough childhood, like uh, a lot of experience fighting and stuff. Okay. So I'm going to go Chandler Jones, defensive end for the Arizona Cardinals. And I, I don't know if you guys know this, but he has two brothers. One of them played in the NFL. His older brother played in the NFL. 
Then his younger brother is John Jones, who's like the best UFC fighter in the world. Yeah. And so like, could you just imagine the brawls that they had in their living room growing up? <laughs> and they're all just massive and so athletic. So you just know that the dude has to be so tough and so and experienced. So I'm gonna go with. Uh, and you know that his brother has taught him some moves too. So mm-hmm. I'll go Chandler Jones. That's a good then, pick. I feel like I knew that he was John Jones's brother, but I definitely didn't remember that. Yeah. Through some hard research, I found that. <laughs> and then, uh, all right, I'm gonna. I'm thinking outside the box for number three here. Um, so with my with my third pick, I'm gonna go with Tanya Harding. Okay. <laughs> Why? Why? <laughs> the figure skater who uh, she basically like orchestrated uh, an attack on a on her rival. Uh, Nancy Kerrigan. <laughs> yeah, Nancy Kerrigan. And, uh, you know, I was thinking, I just need somebody who's willing to do whatever it takes to win. Whatever it takes. And so, uh, Tanya Harding is that is that lady for me. And so, she's going to be our team leader. She's going to get us going and uh, orchestrate some some crazy stuff for us to win. That one is out of left field. I respect, <laughs> I respect that. <laughs> I love that. That is great. Oh, how to follow that up. Uh, <laughs> Kind of the same theme, willing to do whatever it takes. Um, so I got Ronner Test. You know, he's going to be our leader. You got Bill Embiid. He's just he's going to be the enforcer. But I need a guy who's got a he's good at a, a good cheap shot. And so I got to go with the infamous Vontez Perfect mm-hmm. because oh. he will. He's just going to come in from the other side of the bar and he's going to just launch his head in there and just like probably kill somebody but we're gonna we're gonna win the fight i think as long as we can run away but <laughs> so might go overboard a little bit but you know it's a risk reward thing with him so i'm gonna go with that it's a good pick um so i'm re- i'm kind of surprised that this this my next pick isn't taken off the board i looked at like i said i looked at my guys i have so far both probably under six feet so my next guy kind of makes up for that I'm just going with Shaq. Dang. Mm. That's, that was my fourth pick, man. <laughs> because if you've seen – I mean, there's, like, all these viral videos of guys, like, you know, in good fun just dunking on him when he's not looking. And then he just, like, picks him up, like, with one <laughs> hand. And, like, these are six-foot-five people that he's picking up, like, a twig. And, like, he'll just pick anyone up and, like, separate them by, like, ten yards by just, like, changing hands. Like, it, I mean – like you can't even see like two people behind him standing behind him shoulder to shoulder so like i mean yes. it's pretty obvious it's Shaq. So. And, the, and the other thing about Shaq, the thing i was gonna say is like after the fight's over who are you gonna want to sit at the bar and drink a beer with <laughs> other than Shaq? like Shaq's gonna be <laughs> making you laugh talking so much smack it's gonna be hilarious exactly i'm very sad you picked him there <laughs> um so i go again right yep so I had two more guys, and I didn't know who to pick. I'm going to go with another one. You guys may not even heard of him. This is uh, Zenedine Zidane. Remember him? No. Oh, headbutt. Headbutt. <laughs> yeah. oh. He's a French uh, soccer player. At the time, like, I mean, to this day, like, he's one of the best soccer players of all time. Um, like, a captain of the French national team. It was 2006. I remember specifically watching – this World Cup game, I think it was between France and Italy. Uh, I, I just watched the highlight, I should know. But 2006 World Cup, 
it was I believe the the championship match uh, overtime. He like there's a stoppage in play. I don't know words are said. Just lowers his head like a like a ram and just headbutts a dude in the chest. Not the head. He headbutts someone right in square <laughs> in the chest. Mm-hmm. I think he got a red card ejected, and it was like completely uncalled for. Dirty, very dirty. Um, he's not like a really um, successful manager for Real Madrid or no Madrid, some uh, some soccer club. Um, but he's like my he's like my wild card guy. So like he's like a big dude, but like he'll just come out of nowhere, kind of like your Vontes perfect Nick. But I, I think he yeah. rounds out my team well. I got. I got some smaller guys. I got him and I got Shaq. So that, that that's my Mount Rushmore. <laughs> that's awesome. I I had completely forgot about him. I haven't thought of that in years. So thank you for <laughs> reliving that for me. Oh man. Uh, let's go. My last pick. Okay, so I got Ron Artest, uh, Bill Embiid, Vontez Perfect. All right. Um, we're gonna go uh, with Miles Garrett. Um... So. Uh, recent, uh, so hopefully recency bias doesn't uh, play a role here. But um, you know he was pretty accurate on um, on Mason Rudolph and with his helmet, right? And then you know, like if you're in a bar and and whatever establishment, you know, like someone's got to be accurate with that chair because that chair, like tables being thrown down, chairs coming up overhead. And I need someone to, you know, make contact there. So if I can't get Odor to be the accuracy guy, I feel like Miles Garrett's got to be there. Yeah, you need someone who could make a weapon of, out of whatever's lying there. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Beer bottles, <laughs> bar stools, whatever. Yeah. Whatever it needs to be. A helmet sitting on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Ren, I was so sad. I was going to have this big spiel about how Shaq was going to be my fourth pick so I could sit at the bar and drink beer with him after. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. To the list. Um, all right. I'll go with Indomitian Sue with my fourth pick. Okay. Um, big dude. Huge dude. Um, but also uh, is known for being pretty dirty. Um, probably wouldn't be the most fun to have a conversation with at the bar afterwards, but that's okay. <laughs> He's a little step on some people. Yeah, like if if the three of our teams fight, then maybe I can still hang out with Shaq afterwards. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, so I'll go with Sue for my uh, fourth pick. All right, so in summary, I went with Richie Incognito, Chandler Jones, Tanya Harding, and Dominican Sue. Uh, Rudy went with Ron Artest, Bill Ambeer, Vontez Perfect, and Miles Garrett. And Ren went with Cortland Vinnegan, Rugnit, Odor, Shaq, and um, how do you say that? The last one? Zenadine Zidane. Zenadine Zidane. Great name. Yes. So we should definitely put this on Instagram to a vote somehow and see who, who, yeah, who wins. Yeah, I was just thinking that. Um, Sam, yours is football players and Tanya Harding. (laughs) (laughs) That's so true. I know. I was trying to think of like the next big athlete I could think of, but like when you think of big athlete, you just think Shaq, you know? Yeah. 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 Ren, I was uh, surprised you didn't go like, you know, back in time to like Nolan Ryan or something like that, baseball wise. Yeah. That's a good thought too. Yeah. I I almost went um, Pedro Martinez. Oh, yeah. (laughs) 
Because <laughs> if you can throw an old man down, you can do anything. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> oh my gosh. This, I think this is our best Mount Rushmore to date. So yeah, that definitely was fun to sure. look up videos. That's kind of what I was going off of looking up these yeah. old videos that I remembered of fights I saw. Yes. Shout out to my brother for the idea for this one. Also, if anyone has any ideas for future Mount Rushmore's, hit us up. Yes, at Doc Diehards on Instagram. Yes, very open. Our DMs are open, so slide Always in. Always open. Classic. Um, so now our last, kind of our last segment, Nick, for, I think I want to call it documentary wish list or next on the documentary docket but uh whatever it is nick what what do you have for an idea yeah so um i guess i specifically don't have like like i don't know if document documentary is the proper term for this it might just be like a um kind of behind the scenes look but um i mean you could choose your your franchise that you want to uh specifically look at uh in this documentary um, but I'm just fascinated and I've just been thinking with uh, the whole Washington football team potential, I guess, for um, like if they were going to make them sell the franchise um, or just like with the Timberwolves, like we talked about a couple times ago, um, you know, just like the idea of selling a franchise and then buying a franchise and from an owner's perspective, like, what does that look like at the end of the day? Uh, like, what does that process look like? How many lawyers are involved? Like, think about making a billion-dollar purchase. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and is it lucrative or is it just uh, maybe it's the opposite and you're spending too much money or you have to spend a lot of money, uh, you know, to keep the team upright and, and whatever. Um, just basically, like, how profitable is that? Um, and, and, you know, just like what the behind the scenes stuff looks like, because I think we all have this idea of the owners are just the rich people cutting checks and they're on their press boxes and whatever. But, uh, you know, what does that look like from a practical standpoint? I think it would be interesting. Yeah, that is really a good idea. Like if they I mean, obviously, it would be tough um, for it to air like right away because like, yeah. there's so many, you know, I guess legal things, but yeah, like if they had a crew that they had a deal where they didn't release it for 20 years and then they like, there's this big sale of a team or whatever. And then later on it was released. Yeah, that would be, I would totally watch that. Um, This reminds me, Nick of, I I just listened to a podcast recently, actually an ESPN 30 for 30 podcast that you guys should listen to. It's really good. It's called the Sterling affairs. It talks about Donald Sterling Mm -hmm. and kind of how eventually he's forced to sell the team. And so, like there's it's five episodes and um, one of the last episodes um, it talks about how him and his wife went went about the process mostly his wife went about the process of selling it to uh, Steve Ballmer um, sure so yeah check that out it's it's pretty good but yeah that would be a really interesting process like specifically with the Washington football team and like all the controversy that's going on with them right now um, mm-hmm. to see how that goes yeah that's a good idea next up uh, Sam what documentary will we be reviewing next episode okay so the fifth episode wow guys we're doing we're doing pretty well with this we're Uh, a month in yeah we're a month in um still have about six years to go to get through (laughs) them all but uh number five is without bias um it's about the death of len bias um 
who was drafted by the Boston Celtics second overall in 1986 draft and um, apparently died two days after that um, of a drug overdose. And so it talks about the impact on casual drug use, um, especially within the sports community and about how it affected like the Boston Celtics going forward. So um, yeah, it should be a really interesting one. It was released in November of 2009. Yeah, that's a, a, one that's definitely a different topic it, from some of these we've done, which are like just covering some of the best athletes of all time. This one is like a unique story. We've had one of those, I guess, with the with the band, the Baltimore band. So yeah, should be fun next week. Um, anything else you guys got before we peace out? No, I don't think so. No, just looking forward to the next one. I've heard more about it, but I felt like I learned from the little summary even already. So <laughs> Yeah, me too. Guys, make sure you follow us um, on Instagram, like we mentioned, at DocDieHards. You can send us uh, questions or any thoughts on things you want us to talk about, whether it's Mount Rushmore or if you watch this, maybe you guys can play along. Watch this this. Um, documentary and give us your thoughts on that um also subscribe on apple um you can find us really on spotify or really anywhere um and then give us a review if you can on apple Podcasts. thanks for listening everybody